Boom. We are live. Let's not get copyright striked. We are live with Blake and Jonathan. We got UFC 294 wrapped up all in the paperwork. We got Alexander Volkanovsky versus Islam Mahachev ending with an exclamation point. Islam Mahachev with a head kick knockout to get it done. We had Hamza Chimaev taking on Usman in a competitive co-main event. That was an exciting one as well. And the card top to bottom. We just had banger after banger after banger. But before we get into that, like I said, we got my man Blake Schneiders in the house. How you doing, my man? What's up, baby? I am faking fantastic. I'll tell you what. I'm just appreciative that we're back here another Saturday night. I know it's uh, not directly after the fight like some of our fans like, but uh, apparently algorithms like it when we do it a little bit later. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, the, the UFC 294 was awesome, top to bottom. Um, I think there's a lot of things that we're going to get into. Um, I think we can talk about a lot of the matchups, a lot of the surprises, and a lot of the... I wouldn't say refing, which is a hot topic on this show, but the doctor in this show. Yeah, man, the doctor. We don't talk um, about it. We don't talk almost, about it. It was almost like Johnny Sins was playing the role of doctor. Shout out my boy Gage. Um, for, for that one, doctor, you know, construction worker, yoga teacher. He's he apparently does it all, and apparently he did not do this one very well. Yeah, so I I mean it wouldn't have been Johnny Sins then because he would have been he would have done a much better job in the cage. He would have let um you know Johnny Walker continue the fight tonight. Um and then he also had one where the doctor told the fighter it was not a nut shot, where it was very clearly um the fighter was dying after taking that um you know shin to the nutsack area. But we'll get more into that when we get to those fights. But I want to start off with this incredible main event that we had and you know, sometimes main events, they end up being a war and sometimes they end up just being something where it's just a, a rocket ship. And you see something like uh, fireworks that we saw tonight with Islam Ashev, that beautiful head kick to put Alexander Volkanovsky down. Any other man would have folded right away. Alexander Volkanovsky, he, he tried to stay on his feet, stumbled down to the ground. Islam followed up with some ground to pound. And that was it. Way more exclamatory than the first fight. Obviously, Alexander coming off of a short notice to take this fight but regardless islam proving he is number one pound for pound best um tonight the next challenge for him is is maybe justin gaethje there's also Mateusz gamron in the works too um who is going to be the backup for tonight's fight so a couple of different people uh that could potentially be next for islam but let's talk about right now let's talk about that head kick what did you see and what was your reaction to that performance by islam Mahajev? So here's the funny thing. I was actually watching it on my phone. I went downstairs to grab some water. As I was walking up the stairs, watching the phone intently, I dropped my phone. At the exact same time that I dropped my phone, Islam Makachev threw a fucking leg kick from hell on Alexander Volkanovsky. And all I heard was John Anik's voice into my carpet. Oh my God, I can't believe it. And I picked it up and then just saw Volkanovsky getting his head punched in amongst the cage. And I thought he was going to be able to get out of it. He wasn't. Boom. So I actually missed the head kick live. I was so mad. Talk about a chance. Talk about just like the chance that Volkanovsky was was supposed to block that kick because it actually hit him right in the hand. But it, but it skimmed over the top and clipped the top of his head. That small of chance that he did that was the exact same amount of chance that I dropped my phone right when it happens. This game is a crazy game, John. Uh, but uh, but no, the, the main fight, it was good. Um, I, I think we can all agree, and, and maybe, who knows, maybe I'm in the minority. 
I was really hoping for a three, four, five round ball buster. And we got an absolute knockout in the first round. Nobody, I think, wanted to see that. Unless you're just a diehard Makachev fan. Even, like, and I really didn't have a dog in this fight. I was just hoping for another great battle between two fucking studs who come into this, this division. And it almost made me mad because, obviously, Volkanovski jumping up, trying to be a two-champ belt, two-weight belt uh, holder. It it just you you want more you want more. This it, is it leaves not- some on the table. You you yeah. always you know there's there's so definitely you know like you said some you always want to have a little bit more. You know those wars are always going to be more memorable versus yes. then than the kick that'll just going to end up in the highlight reel. Like don't get me wrong, excellent performance by Islam. Excellent. Um, you know you get that head kick knockout in the first round. As far as what he did, he did absolutely nothing wrong. But to your point, I can understand to where. You know, you want a little more as a fan, but man, he did his job. You know, Alexander yeah. Volkanovsky, he's going to continue to reign at 145. Um, he's probably going to get Ilio Toporia next. That's going to be a very fun matchup that I think Alexander um, can take. Uh, but Islam, I think the next question is for him is, I, I think Justin Gaethje potentially is the next matchup. Um, like I said, there is some, some options for him. But, you know, do you think there's even anyone that can touch Islam in the current horizon, or do you think Islam is on his way to having a Khabib-esque run or even greater because Khabib didn't give us as much because of the passing of his father? You know, do you think Islam is on his way to passing Khabib in the resume that he builds throughout his time with the the championship at 155? Uh, 100%. I think Islam is already, he's what, uh, Khabib had three title defenses. Islam is already at two. If he gets a third, he will already tie the quote-unquote GOAT for some people, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Um, I believe Makachev is already at that level. And, and honestly, in my opinion, this might be an unpopular opinion, John, he's already faced tougher talent than Khabib ever faced. Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat, it's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Um, I think especially if he's on this trajectory, if he beats a guy like Justin Gaethje, if that is the next matchup, if even, even if he didn't beat Volkanovski a second time and they would have given him Charles Oliveira and he beat Charles Oliveira the same way. Those are those are names, man. And Khabib just never had the names for me. He is ultimately undisputed, one of the greatest MMA performers of all time. I, I think the greatest way to describe him is he's the most dominant fighter of all yes. time. 
Yes. He he what he did was he dominated every single opponent. Even he, I mean, yes, he had his battles against Conor McGregor, and those were epic. And guess what? He made Conor McGregor look mortal. For somebody who everybody thought was immortal, he made Conor, Conor McGregor bleed. When you make he ragdolled him. He ragdolled him. When you make God bleed, what happens? God's no longer immortal. He's mortal now. Um, but I think Makachev, if he continues on this trajectory, he's already going to have a better resume of wins, and he's going to have more title defenses. And I truly do believe he will have more title defenses. I am not – I am not – like if you're putting money in Vegas right now, I believe Makachev have, has more title defenses by the end of his career than Khabib ever had. That being said – if they do schedule Justin Gaethje for this next fight, so it's Makachev versus Gaethje, I would absolutely love that because Gaethje is going to be a guy that you have to watch out for because, one, he's got the wrestling. He doesn't like to use it. People forget he has it, but he can use it when necessary, and he can use it greatly for defense, and that's what he normally uses it for. He doesn't use it for offense. He uses it for defense. His striking ability, his leg kicks, his punching power – Everything in Gaethje's arsenal is geared specifically for what Makachev does well. And that is why I think uh, I'm most excited to see if they do decide to make this fight. Now, that being said, Makachev looked so clean. He looked so calm and composed on the feet this go-around versus, versus Lokonovsky. And obviously, he set it up. He hit Lokonovsky with the low leg kick. He hit Lokonovsky with the mid kick. Volkanovski was not expecting him to come with the high kick, but he set the whole thing up. This is no means a, a takeaway from anything Makachev did because he did it perfectly. He executed his game plan. And what do we say every week? Anybody who execute, executes their game plan flawlessly is going to come in and look fantastic. And that's exactly what he did. And he fucking showed people why he is the champion of this division. That, But... It was a little lackluster because everybody was wanting – they were wanting more. It was not lackluster on Makachev's part. It was lackluster because all the fans wanted to see a drop-dead knockout five-round fight just, just like the last one, and it wasn't that. But this is by no means – I mean Makachev came in and did exactly what he was supposed to do. Is, in your opinion, Volkanovski going to get – I mean he's still uh, he's still the featherweight champion of the world. Okay, still the featherweight champion of the world. Is he going to make his way back to try to be the double belt champ? Is he going to get another opportunity against Makachev? What do you think? See, when looking at him currently, he's 35, right? So you have to look at the life expectancy um, of like a UFC fighter. They start peaking off um, maybe around 37, 38 when their prime really is just, you know, mostly over unless you're a heavier fighter, right? Power is a lot more dominant in those heavier um, weight classes. So I think with Alexander Volkanovsky, I don't think you're going to see him be able to challenge 155 again. I know DC said on the commentary he wouldn't be surprised to see Volkanovsky maybe work his way back up to a rematch here. But I think with the way Islam is is you know fighting right now at 155, how dominant he is. I think if another you know fighter was able to knock Islam off the table. And, you know, then at that point, you have Alexander Volkanovsky versus a Justin Gaethje or an Armand Sirukian, you know what I mean? Or, or someone else of that nature. But when you have Islam there and you've seen, you know, with two, even though this was a short camp, but even when Alexander Volkanovsky was very prepared, yes, it was very close. But Islam did what he had to, to win the last fight. Mm -hmm. This time he knocked him out. I don't see Alexander Volkanovsky challenging Islam again at 155 unless 
by some means something happens for Islam to lose the title. And even if he loses the title, he's probably going to have to um, lose the rematch too because I don't see him not yeah. getting an immediate title rematch against that one. But let's move yeah. on to this co-main event because it was an absolute barn burner. It was a very fun one. I think when you talk about storylines throughout the course of a fight, Hamza Chimaya versus Kamaru Usman was incredible. I mean, the looks that Hamza had coming into this fight were in, like insane. This The scary looks he had, in crazy. It was fun to see what Kamaru Usman was going to do coming up a weight class. Now, something that we learned after the fight was that, you know, Hamza potentially broke his wrist after the first round. So if you didn't see the fight, first round starts off by Hamza literally ragdolling Kamaru Usman. It's not something I don't think I ever would have said before, but Hamza was on the back for Kamaru for most of the first round. He almost got the choke in, but uh, Kamaru, with very excellent awareness, actually slammed Hamzat on his head, potentially the spot where uh, Hamzat broke his wrist. Um, but from there, second and third round, Usman was a lot more competitive when it was on the feet. He was able to not get taken down by Hamzat until the end of the third round, where he was got where he got taken down until about thirty seconds left. But when the fight was on the feet, it was way closer. You know, it was way closer um, when it was an actual stand-up fight, and you saw the jab of Usman maybe get not used as much but when he used it it was effective you know and the right hand got through a couple times so it was very it was a very fun fight it ended up being Hamza Shemaev with majority of this decision one judge did give Usman rounds two and three and gave uh, a 10-8 to uh, Hamza Shemaev so that's how it ended up playing out but it was a fun fight Hamza is going to be next for Sean Strickland, I do expect him to win that fight. But before we break that one down, I want to talk about Usman versus uh, Hamza Chimaev. What was your reaction to that fight? And um, did you think that Usman do enough in the fight? Or did you leave, do you think maybe he left some in the tank knowing that he's used to fighting five rounds? One of the reasons I sometimes hate co-hosting with you, John, is because you're so good at your job. You take a lot of my talking points sometimes, and that's not your fault. That's just because you're such a fucking professional that I love it. Um, because, no, you you hit the nail on the head. Usman's jab was getting through, especially the, the, the second and third round. This is a fight I think everybody wished would have gone five rounds. Because had it gone five rounds, I think Usman ends up winning this fight. It wasn't. It was a three-round fight, and uh, as you mentioned, Jemayev probably uh, ended up breaking either his wrist or his hand. I know that he came through in the first ha uh, in the first uh, round and said to his trainer, "Hey, I believe I I think I broke my I think I broke my hand." So we don't know if it was the hand or the wrist. Do we have confirmation on which part it was? No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, either way, he broke something in his hand, which you clearly saw in his able his his ability to put pressure on Usman as the fight went on. He was not as willing to run forward through a brick wall like we normally see Chimaev do. He was a little bit more tentative, a little bit more choosy with his strikes, and you did not see him throw that powerful right hand that we all know he loves to embellish later in the rounds. Um, and that's what I do believe Usman saw. And was able to capitalize on was that he was not getting the same amount of pressure. He did get ragdolled in that first round. Obviously, then he put Jemayev on his head. So we had a little bit back and forth. <clears throat> uh, as that happened, you saw Usman's, or I'm sorry, you saw Chemayev's, uh, uh tank not dwindle, but his his aggressiveness dwindled. 
That's the thing I think everybody was really surprised about. And obviously, it clearly, as we find out after the fight, it has something to do with his hand. It might be broken. It might be the wrist. It might be the hand. We're not really sure. Um, but I think that would have allowed Usman to get back into this fight. And he, I think he realized it too late in the fight. Had he known that or had he noticed that earlier in the fight? Because Kamara Usman, Marty... <laughs> has a high fight IQ, and I'm a little surprised he didn't realize it earlier in the fight that Kamara was – I'm sorry, that Chemayev was not throwing that right hand more. And had he known that, I think he would have realized one of two things. One, this guy is either too, super tentative compared to every other thing that I've seen him ever do, or he's clearly injured. Okay, and him having a high fight IQ would have been like, hey, he's clearly injured. Let's attack. Let's, let's push towards the right. Let's make him use that right hand, set myself up into situations where it's going to be used where I can capitalize on or where he has to use it. Um, either way, the fight was fantastic. I think Kamara, I, I don't know if you were able to hear the back and forth between him and I don't know if it was the judging table or if he was trying to talk to DC, Felder, and Anik after the fight, but he clearly thought, I think he won that fight. Um, he thought he did because he was looking very upset. I did not think that. I clearly thought Chamayev won the fight, but Kamara was making his push. Again, if it was a five-round fight, I think Kamara probably would have edged him out at the end. But something happened towards the end of that fight that he mentioned something to the table or the judging table. I'm not sure which one it was that he clearly thought he won or he had an issue with something. So I didn't know if you had any insight on that or not. Yeah, I'm not sure about any insight in that. I only know the the way that Bruce Buffer kind of announced it was just a little weird, right? He said he didn't he didn't say the second score. I right. mean, he said the second score, but he didn't say who it went to. Exactly. exactly. That's what threw me off. I my ears peaked up as soon as I heard that. Uh, I, I forget it was it was 20, 29, 28, um, it was 29, 27 for two, and then twenty eight, twenty eight for one. Yeah. Okay. So it was it was 29-27, is that what you said? Yes. Yeah, so it was 29-27 Jamayev, 29-27 nothing, and then 20 uh what was the last one? No, no, no. 29-27 twice for Chemayev, and yeah. then once it was a tie. But the second that second that second uh, announcement, he did not say who it was for. And because that's it was a draw. 28-28 a draw. No, I get that. I'm talking about the second announcement for the 29-27. He didn't say who it was well, for. He said and winner, Hamza Shemaev. So. Whoa! I, I get all that. I get all that. He left off a name when he was naming these scores out, which peaked my ears because he didn't say who that round was for. Because normally when he does it like that, Bruce Buffer will tell you 29-27 you know, fighter. 29-27 fighter. 28-28 draw. But he didn't say it for the second one. So that's why I think I was thrown off. I was like, well, who who was that 29-27 for? That makes sense. But I think the only reason me, second judge's scorecard winner wasn't I just I it didn't make any sense. Right, right. Well, I think the way he did it was just because when you have three different scorecards, you don't want to give it away and be like, oh, 29-27 Hamza, 29-27 Hamza, and then a draw. So it's a majority decision. So anytime he's doing a split decision. He's going to do the two discerning cards first and then the last confirmation one anyways, right? So really really what he should have done was was given the draw second. That's what he did. 
Do we watch the same fight? I don't think he did. He gave the draw last. He gave the draw second. Okay, either way, it was very odd the way he announced it. Like you yeah, said, Yeah, 100%. Was, Definitely super odd. Anyways, odd. back to the fight. I want to touch on, and I want to let you touch on, um, just some of the post-fight comments made by uh, Shemaev. Because yeah. um, it was, I, I think it was just super... It was just super, uh, I think it was powerful for what he was, you know, talking about, you know, with what's going on in today. So I'd love for you just to kind of touch on that. Just just real quick on, you know, I didn't expect the the guy who Hamza Shemaev and I'm going to kill everybody and, and all that. You know, that's the last yeah. guy you expect to make you emotional. But I think he had some powerful words. I just want you to touch on that and, and kind of just the maturity mm -hmm. of what he said uh, tonight in the Octagon. Yeah, so uh, you you and I and Dave usually text throughout these fights. Uh, obviously, we're talking about different things, fighters, cool things, talking about the how we're going to schedule the show. And, and one of the things that Dave actually said to us is um, the last guy you'd expect to to make you sit there and think and and, and maybe even make you tear up a little bit was Hamza Jamayev. Uh, Hamza Jamayev gave a very powerful message. Obviously, if you, unless you've had your head in the sand, everybody here knows about what's been going on in, in Gaza and Palestine uh, and Israel. And we're not a political show. We don't sit here and, and talk politics. We talk fights because that's what we do. We're not here to give you, you know, you can watch the news for that. You can get your own sources for that. But what I thought was extremely powerful from Hamza Jamayev is, is he did not you know, he didn't even, he wasn't even picking a side. What he was, was spreading a message of peace. Um, he was talking about the children. He was like, this is about the kids. He's like, I'm all for the kids. You know, you, you know, he wanted the, he, I, I think he blessed both Israel and Palestine and, and Gaza, you know, the Palestinians themselves, Gaza and, and Israel. He was talking about the kids. He's like, this is senseless nonsense. We need to stop doing all of this. You know, I don't care if you're Muslim, Christian, Jewish. And that's what he said. Um, you know, this is about the children. We don't we don't need to be doing this this senseless violence. And and for a guy who gets on the microphone, like you said, John, and says, I will kill everybody, I will smish anybody who comes into the ring, for him to turn around and do that on the biggest stage in Abu Dhabi, I think that was extremely powerful for Hamza Chamaya to do that. And to me, it showed one of two things. It shows his growth as um He's more aware of where he stands as an influencer in this game, and it shows his maturity. And I think those two things are so powerful when it comes to Hamza Chamayev because when you become, when you talk about champions, you talk about how they carry themselves normally. You know, you look at Alexander Volkanovsky. You look, you look at, um, uh, you look at uh, Makachev. And you look at how they carry themselves, you know, and you can you can list a, a litany of other champions. Hamza Jamayev is kind of growing into this role, I believe, that he knows now, hey, I can say certain things, but in a time when people expect me to say one thing and, and act like the the uh the man of old, the Jamayev of old, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring a new message to the table. So and I don't want to draw drown on too long about that, but I just thought that was such a powerful message from Hamza Jamayev to be able to come out and speak. A, a complete message of peace across the board doesn't matter the side Muslims, Christians, Jewish doesn't does not matter. I thought that was extremely mature of him, as well as very needed on the biggest platform in front of the biggest crowd on the biggest stage.
Yeah, I, I think you said, like you said, he knows where he stands in the sport. So for him to put a voice like that out there, um, super powerful, super awesome for him. Um, and he's definitely lined up for the next title shot. Uh, him versus Sean Strickland is going to be great. Yeah. Um, honestly, we could spend a couple more minutes breaking that down, but I kind of want to spend more time on this card just because there was so much that happened. But, you know, let's talk about some of the mishaps that, that got that happened tonight. Yes. So um, let's talk about Johnny Walker. Um tonight versus um it was versus Magadet Ankalaev. Now there was a grounded knee and it was very clear and Johnny Walker seemed pretty cognizant throughout the throughout the situation. Now apparently the doctor asked uh Johnny Walker where he was. Johnny Walker said I'm in the desert. That wasn't the answer that the do- doctor was looking for. I mean, I'm not sure if he expected him to say, you know, I am in the UAE, United Arab Emirates, or Abu Dhabi, or, you know, whatever the arena is called, Etihad Arena. But, you know, you for him to be that cognizant and for them to call a fight off, that was the second time he had a mistake tonight, right? The first time was a nut shot where he told the fighter that he was faking the nut shot. So, I mean, like I said, there was just a lot of mishaps with that. I was super confused during that fight with you know why he called it off because it seemed johnny walker was perfectly fine and it seemed like he was almost ready to get back into the fight just the same as ankaliyev obviously now uh i was just I, maybe you take a point from ankaliyev you continue the fight there maybe you run this fight back man what were your thoughts as that was happening because that was just such a strange moment yeah so well i think to talk about the johnny walker fight you have to go back and talk about um the henry fight and because they i think they go hand in hand in my opinion he tells um oh where's the where am i he tells victor henry after a nut shot that this was a little weird he wasn't able to we none of us were able to get a clear great video clip of the nut shot even the guys on the stream weren't able to get a great video of it. It was always a little cloudy, any, any angle you chose, but I'll tell you this, John, we're both men. We've been hitting the nuts before. I know a genuine nut shot hit reaction as opposed to a fake one. And we've seen fake ones here in the MMA. We've seen fake ones used in the UFC where we're like, dude, you didn't get hit. You're that, that is a clear, like, Oh, Oh, it hit me. Oh, but I'll be fine. Just give me five minutes. No, no, no. When Victor Henry is down on the ground, he looks like he's pale white. He is clearly in pain. And the doctor comes in and tries to tell you, you have not been struck in the nuts and you are faking it. To a man who can't stand up, to me, that is clear. I don't even know what what inexperience and unprofessionalism. Then... The same guy who wants to tell a fighter he's not hurt then goes into the Johnny Walker fight and Magomed Ankalaev is a knees a down opponent. And then all of a sudden, you did not give Johnny Walker a full five minutes. You actually came in within, what, a minute and a half to that octagon and start asking him concussion questions. And he didn't give you the precise answer that you wanted. Yet he seems fully cognizant. He seems aware, wiping his eye, ready to fight on Kalaev. And you tell the referee 
he's not acceptable to fight. He is not in the right mind to fight. You're now playing two sides of a very jagged card, and that is what I don't understand. The first guy you are telling to continue fighting, even though he's clearly hurt. This fighter, Johnny Walker, you're telling you're too hurt to fight when he's clearly telling you he's okay. I don't know what's going on in Abu Dhabi. I don't want to say that there was some shadiness going on. I just would rather leave it up to the fact that I believe he was extremely inexperienced and maybe overcompensating for the first fight that we believe that he almost tried to sabotage, but he did not. And they made the right call in the Victor Henry fight with giving it a no contest. But to me, all of that was amiss. All of that seemed very fishy to me because Johnny Walker and even Uncle I have tried to fight after they called it a no contest. After they waved the fight off and voided the entire fight, they were like, no, let's fuck this. We're, we're still fighting. Like, and, and if you asked me, hey, where are you fighting right now? And he said in the desert. Is that a wrong answer? Is that a wrong answer, John? Because Absolutely even, not. even John Annick said – had I said, had he asked me if I was fighting and I said in Abu Dhabi, technically that's not correct. So would that have counted as a wrong answer? What answer were you looking for? Like, was there a specific set of words you were looking for? Or was there just a cognizant answer? And I think that Johnny gave a cognizant answer and he looked ready to go. So the whole, th this whole fight and it's connected directly to the Victor Henry fight seemed so amiss to me and and i think it befuddled us as viewers it befuddled the judges who were clearly not okay with it and it befuddled the fighters yeah man yeah it, like you said befuddled that's the perfect word to say and um for johnny walker to go through this i think it's just super unfortunate you know i think everybody in the building wanted this fight to continue i think this fight would had all the makings of potentially stealing the fight of the night like for for anybody you know what i mean yeah. so this was a fun one going in i mean johnny walker's dance coming into this fight was absolutely hilarious give johnny walker an award just for being the like one of the funniest guys in the ufc without even saying a word like this man's facial expressions and body's expression like the, the things he does is hilarious um but let's get on to the next fight man ikram alaskarov versus warley alvarez man ikram is legit right i believe his only loss in MMA is versus the co-main event star, Hamzat Chemaev. But Ikram was able to get the knockout versus Worley Alvarez, get it done in just under or just over two minutes. Um, man, do you think Ikram is a legit threat at middleweight? Like I said, his only loss is Hamzat Chemaev, and that was a long time ago. Do you think Ikram has all the takings as far as what it takes to get out there? Because, I mean, the flying knee that followed or, or before what he'd finished Worley Alvarez to for him to get up like that and to follow it with the, the strikes he did to get him out of there. Absolutely insane. Um, thoughts on Ikram Alaskarov and, and his potential ceiling with the, uh, in the middleweight division. Well, Ikram is six of seven of his last fights with finishes and he's won seven in a row right before Worley Alvarez. He took on Phil Haas and KO'd Phil Haas. And Phil Haas is, if anybody knows, is a jacked human being. Um, as far as where I think he stands right now, uh, in that middleweight division, which is an absolutely loaded division, um, I think he does pose a threat. I think anybody who's looking at him is going to look, be like, okay, this guy has kind of put everybody on notice now, and he's but he's done it seven fights in a row, okay, and he's not beaten slaps. The last two guys, Phil Haas 
uh, as well as Worley Alvarez. I mean, yeah, Worley Alvarez has seven losses, but like he's got 15 wins in the octagon. He's got over 20 fights in the octagon. Like it, it's one of those things where you're like, has he put himself on notice? Yes. Do I think he's a top contender? That still remains to be seen. I can't make a judgment on that quite yet, but he looked extremely impressive tonight. And I mean, extremely impressive, especially getting the TKO. I mean, that's what you want. If you're, if you're a guy who's trying to put people on notice, finishes are the way to go. And six of his last seven fights have all been finishes. So that on that trajectory, yes, you are going to start making guys notice you and you're going to start becoming a problem. Definitely, man. And, before we move on to the next couple fights, because um, obviously there's a lot of fights on this card. We can break this down all night long. But I want to give a shout out to a friend of the show, Cedricus SD Dumas, you know, getting the dub tonight. Yes. This decision win. Um, fighting, you know, obviously got fighting out of Pensacola, a island or island fights. Um, what is it called? Alumni, you know, making it out of there before actually making it out to the UFC, he was able to get a, a solid decision, actually able to get the takedown in the first round, which was very impressive because obviously we saw in his only loss, him getting taken down was a big part of that. So for him to get the takedown, control the fight on the feet as well, even though he got his hair pulled, you know, he was able to get the win, get the decision win. But I want you to talk about your favorite fight of the night and break down as one of your hometown boys getting the dub. Real quick, before I move into the hometown boys getting the dub, I want to ask you about this hair pulling thing. What is your what is your take on this? Yeah, you can't pull hair. Okay, I just I'm just making sure because it seemed like on the the announcers for tonight, DC was talking about hair pulling, and I'm like, that's it's not football. In football, you can pull hair, and I know I use a lot of football references. I know this is an MMA show; it's international. Not everybody has football. You can you could pull hair in football. You can't do it in the fight fucking game, all right? You don't see the girls going out there pulling each other's hair, okay? So I thought that was a little, you know, that was some – there was a lot of weird penalties slash cheap shots throughout this entire card, which I thought was uh, heavier than normal. Um, so I just wanted to know your opinion on the, the whole hair pulling thing. Yeah, like 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 I said, man, I think um... – I mean, it's very clear. Obviously, you can't pull the hair regardless of gender, you know. So uh, I think John Ennick said it perfectly. Um, or I think it would have been Paul Felder just say, Clay Guida, you could have just grabbed his hair and, and, you know, Muay Thai clinch him to death at that point, you know. But I want to, like I said, give a shout out to him to get that dub. Um, but as far as your man getting the win, man, let's let's break that down yeah, real quick. Let's break down. Let's break down Money Mike fucking Breeden, baby. Money yeah, Mike and that Breeden. dub, the comeback dub after being down 2-0 on mm -hmm. all three judges' scorecards, coming back, getting that knockout in the third round, which I think is one of the hardest things to do. Um, he was able to get it done with a busted eyebrow hanging over his eyes, um, able to get the knockout win over Anshul Jubilee. Uh, Anshul, in the first couple rounds, he was able to, um, you know, be really well with the with the striking. His head movement was good. He was actually able to, you know, put Mike Breeden, Breeden actually rock him a little bit. Yes. Um, but Breeden was able to stay with it throughout the entire fight. It seemed like the gas tank of Jubilee wore out heavily in that third round. His head stopped moving, and Mike Breeden was able to get the knockout, man. Uh, thoughts on your boy getting the dub? So first off, uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I do not believe Jubilee's gas tank ran out. I truly don't. What happened was, um, Money Mike Breeden coming into this fight, hailing from Kansas City, fighting out of Overland Park, training at Marathon MMA. Um, uh, guys, uh, it, it used to be formerly um, – oh, why am I blanking on it? Uh, Krause's, Krause's group. Anyway, it doesn't matter. 
Uh, Money Mike Breeden out of Overland Park, out of Kansas City. I'm Kansas City. John's in Orlando. Money Mike Breeden had gotten a cut that we noticed pre-fight, and it looked like he had gotten that cut on his eyebrow. And that, we believe, could be a potential reason why he was unable to make weight. If you're not able to train for a specific amount of time, that would lead me to believe that you weren't able to cut weight properly. Uh, it could just be a mismanagement of his weight. I don't want to put the, the the missed weight solely on the injury, but to me, likely that would be the reason that you weren't able to make proper weight because he did come in, had to cut 30% of his uh, 30% of his bag to Jubilee because of that missed weight. Anyway, coming into the fight, had the stitches on his eye. Those got opened up, what, late round one, early round two, that those stitches opened up. And his eyebrow was flapping in the wind. I, I believe it was either Paul Felder or DC that said that that eyebrow was talking to him because of how much it was just moving. He was getting beat. Jubilee was keeping great distance, landing perfect strikes, uh, keeping a, a a great striking distance to where Breeden wasn't really hurting him too bad. There was times where Mike was able to get into boxing range and land some big combos, but they weren't in uh, high volume at the time. They were only few and far between, but they were doing damage, clearly. That third round, Jubilee was up 2-0. I mean, it was Mike, it was Jubilee's fight to lose. And him being the first Indian fighter ever, I believe, uh, especially on a main card, uh, or especially just in general, um, I think he had a lot riding on him. And and I believe he I think he folded under the pressure, unfortunately. And I think it had to do with the mind games that Mike Breeden started playing yeah, in the third screaming round. screaming at him, telling him to go. He started, you know? he started coming out, pounding. Mike Breeden came out in that third round knowing, hey, this is do or die. Because Mike Breeden has not had a great go of it the last couple of fights in the octagon, okay? He's been a good fighter on the local circuit. This has been up and down kind of in the UFC. This was a fight that he needed to win. And he realized in that third round, hey, this is a fight I got to win. So he comes out, starts banging on his chest, starts barking at Jubilee, literally like a dog, arr, 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 barking at Jubilee. And I truly believe, I mean, he was pulling Nate Diaz tactics out there. That's what he was doing. And I truly believe that I think he got into Jubilee's head. I do not believe it was a gas tank issue. I think Jubilee was giving him his best at that time. And Mike Breeden was still coming forward. And Jubilee simply was taken aback and thrown off his game by this trash talk, which you don't see happen so drastically normally. Like, yeah, guys trash talk. Guys will talk shit. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. A lot of times it doesn't. But this fight, I think it truly stunned Jubilee. And then Breeden started landing jab, combo jab, combo jab, was able to land multiple fi- uh, multiple hits at once. And, and truly stunned Jubilee into not remembering what his game plan was and why he was winning in the first place. Mike Breed was able to come back, land multiple combos, get the the right hook for the win on the, on the knockdown and the knockout. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, John, and I know we'd like to save this game for later. I wouldn't be – I have not looked at the winners. I have not looked at the bonuses. I would be surprised if this fight did not get a bonus of some sort. Well, let's get into it. Let's play guess the bonus. We got four bonuses on the cards. No fight of the night, but we have four performance bonuses, all of them being with a finish, of course. So got quite a couple finishes on the card. Not too bad as far as uh, guesses there. So 
go ahead and break it down. Let me get let me hear your guesses for, for the right. bonuses for tonight. So for bonuses, you said they were all no no fights of the night, but they were all performance bonuses, correct? Correct. Okay, so first performance bonus, I'm gonna have to give the money Mike Breeden. I believe he got one. Don't tell me till the end. I believe Money Mike Breeden got one. I also believe that Islam Makachev got one. Um, I'm also going to go with uh, Ikram Alaskarov. I believe he got one. And I believe Saeed Nurmagomedov got one. Is that four? That's four, right? Yeah, that's four. You got three out of four. Mike Breeden then didn't actually get one. What? Are you they kidding me? To, they give it to Muhammad Makayev getting the arm triangle over Tim Elliott. Are you kidding me? I mean, oh, yeah, man. this is this is not me talking shit on Makayev because Makayev easily won that submission. And that was a great fight between him and Tim Elliott. But he dominated Tim Elliott most of that fight. It wasn't necessarily overly impressive based on what was happening. Like, I would have definitely given that to Mike Breeden seeing as he was clearly down 2-0. And I think I think maybe the argument is just they're both ranked fighters. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. But this, I mean, again. No, to your point, the, the more exciting knockout, like when you talk about what was more like dope, I mean, the, the knockout fight? was better. He was down 2-0 on the scorecards, and it's a knockout over a head tr arm triangle. You know what I mean? Watch, so. Watching both those fights back, if you had to choose one to rewatch, which one would you have rewatched? It was the Mike Breeden fight. Um. No, the Tim Elliott fight was not a good fight. No, it was not a good fight. It wasn't a good fight. Tim Elliott was on his back two, three rounds, three total rounds. And and again, this is not taking away anything from Makayev because Makayev came in and did his thing over the number 10 guy. He's now in the top 10. That's a huge, uh, that's a huge statement from him. But as far as fight that you would rather with rewatchability, nah, it's that money might be. Oh yeah, for sure rewatchability. But I think when it comes to like challenging, like challenge oh, really? wise, like what's the harder finish? You know, getting a finish over Tim Elliott's pretty tough. Versus yeah, for sure. A guy that's great. you know. Also, shout out to another Kansas City guy, Tim Elliott. Hey, shout out to the boy. But hey, man, we had a wonderful card night. We had we're forty minutes deep, so I think it's the perfect time to call a. To put a bow tie on this, but guys, of course, thank you guys for watching. We had an exciting UFC 294. Uh, as always, shout out to my boy Blake for making this show a million times better than it would be without you. Um, but we don't have a fight next weekend. Two weeks from tonight, we have Derek Lewis versus Hilton Almeida. And then a week after that, we have John Bones Jones. We have Alex Pereira versus Hiri Prohaska. We got Jessica Andrade, Mackenzie Dern, Benoit Saint Denis. We got a lot of good fighters on that card, man. We got oh, yeah. we got some good stuff in MSG. Keep it right here on Fight Bananas. You know we're gonna keep it locked in on your post-fight shows. We got betting bananas that's gonna keep you loving with your betting picks. We got Fight Bananas live every Tuesday, I believe, with Dave, who's gonna be taking care of you with some live interviews, some breakdowns, what's going on weekly with uh, the MMA world. So we'll take care of that. Just make sure you guys follow us here on Fight Bananas. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, MySpace. Get a beeper. Make sure that you got a beeper rolling with us. Appreciate you guys. Have a great rest of your night.